I'm Mike Vardy. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. And this is the Productivityist Podcast. Welcome to the Productivityist Podcast. I am your host, Mike Vardy. This week on the show, Nick Snap. He hacks corporate and hosts the show, The Make It Snappy Productivity Show. I've been on his show before. Uh, I had a great time and uh, through the blabs that he's done and all that. And he is a guy who has a focus on family. Uh, he really wants to help people get more of the right things done, both in corporate and in family life. And he's him and I have a lot of things aligned. And you'll hear that through our conversation today. So let's just get right to it. Here's my conversation with Nick Snap on the Productivityist Podcast. I'd like to welcome Nick Snap to the Productivityist Podcast. Did you just snap? I did. Come on, man. I <laughs> I've never to. heard that before. It's never happened to me. You have never? <laughs> never? Uh, and I've never uh, had the uh, party hardy with Mike Vardy happen before either. Or, <laughs> or actually, you know what used to happen is I used to have, uh, when, when I was in high school, uh, people used to sing, it's Mike Vardy and I'll cry if I want to. Are you kidding? Yeah. I love that. <laughs> it's clever. <laughs> I can't admonish them for it. It's very clever. But yeah, that's what they would do. And I thought, well, you know, points. Points for creativity on that one. How you and doing, with my Nick? Name. Oh man, I'm, t- <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm just excited to be here, man. Thanks for all the good work you put out in the world, my friend. Thank, and, and you know what? I'm loving what you guys are doing over at at, at the uh, Make It Snappy Show, um, the Make It Snappy Productivity Show, of course, because it's all about productivity. And and what I love is, I mean, I was I, you did the blab. I was on part of that. It was, I mean, it was really cool to be part of that experience. And I love seeing how long have you been studying this stuff for? Because you know. I'm starting to feel like I'm old, like I'm older in this community than I, than I initially, you know, I'm thinking like, wow, it's been 10 years and like, well, who, who else? So how long have you been doing this for? It's been a progression, man. I mean, it's, it kind of all came full circle, not too long ago. I mean, I've been an engineer working in project management, capital project management and process improvement. So that's all part of productivity, but it never like the, the term productivity really came to, to fruition, I guess, until when I actually left corporate America and started this whole thing. And it, all, it came together and said, what, what is it? What are you good at? What do you like to do? And I was working with a coach and all that stuff. And productivity was just kept coming up over and over again. So that, that's what I went with. Now, you, you talk about hacking corporate, you know, and you were in a corporate environment. I was in a corporate environment, a little a different. Costco was different. And there wasn't much to hack there. Costco really has a, a really solid business model that kind of I've actually taken some of what I've learned there, a lot of what I've learned there, and kind of applied it to what I do now. But you, you talk about hacking corporate. So what does hacking corporate mean to you? Well, hacking corporate for me is when you have an office worker, typically a salaried employee who's savvy enough to figure out opportunities within their 
specific office culture to set up this corporate infrastructure that would allow that employee to perform exceptionally well. And for me, it's in less than 40 hours a week, maybe even 20. Wow. Can you get how we're, so as you were progressing through your later stages of corporate life, how, how did that look to you? Like, did you, did you, obviously you have to strategize and, but how did you, how did you eke, work your way down to that level of, of the lowest amount of hours that you could do before it, you kind of hit, hit that wall where it's like, okay, this is as far as I can go with this. Well, man, there's so many different layers to the hacking corporate thing. And it's not, it's not like my mantra or anything, but it is something I'm passionate about when I, when I hear stories about people just spending too much time at work and over time, just being overwhelmed, all the different stuff that comes with, with working in that life. You know, yeah. I mean, mindset wise, is that is that? I mean, I've I've come across you know working with larger businesses, it's 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 tough to steer that culture shift, right? Or the ship rather that culture ship is very difficult to steer because it's there's so like you said, there's a lot of layers, not just in in you know what you do, but what's going on within you know the infrastructure of of the corporation. Like how how tough is it to break through that, and and how can you without it? necessarily upsetting the apple cart, so to speak? That's a great question, Mike. Well, I mean, the first thing is a marathon, not a sprint. And for me, what I found, I didn't even go out, set out to hack corporate. I just made a decision that I wanted to be deliberate with how I'm spending my time there. So it was about planting seeds along the way. And as I started changing my mindset, like you said, it comes back to what you're really into right now. And I've been reading your stuff, Mike, deep work, you know, Mm. I know you've been focused a lot on it, but it, it's how for exceptional performance, you need to do the deep work like Cal Newport's book, right? But to to have the ability to hack corporate and get your time down and it it's performing exceptionally and doing it very slowly and very deliberately. So how how important are systems and processes and templates in that kind of environment uh, so that you can maximize, you know? the the deep work that you want to do. I found for myself, even right now it's funny and this is I'm obviously it's me and, and three other people, but lately I've been like with my coaching clients, I've actually come up with a standardized not a it's it's a it's a form that's got a lot of um, you know, uh anchors in it, but right. it's not but it's not like rigid. Do you know what I mean? Like it's seismic, I guess is probably the best way to put it. Same thing with sure. the podcast notes. Like I'm writing, uh, this is what I do with my podcast notes, just to be completely transparent. I, and, and I'd love to hear like some of the processes that you've taken from corporate and, and, and built into what you do now. But I mean, I'm, I write down the guest and what it's for. So the name of the podcast, the, so it's going to be called, you know, probably Hacking Corporate with Nick Snap because it's just, it, it, it fits the bill. And then I have at the top three, three, uh, three columns. Time, which is the time where maybe something gets discussed and I want to make a note of it, uh, mm-hmm. or shifting to the Patreon supporters, like we've talked about before we went on the air. Topic, like what was the topic you brought up? So, for example, you just talked about deep work in Cal Newport. I just put down Cal Newport book. I didn't put anything for the time because it's the first link I'm going to put in the show notes. And then I've got type, and what means is what podcast type. So I've got that divided into Patreon or public, and I've checked off both, which means it's going to go on both of those podcasts. It's that kind of simplicity that it's not too complex, but it's giving me some kind of boundary and we'll get to boundaries as well to work with so that I don't have to think about anything but listening to you and then transcribing this information in the most succinct and yet understandable or clear, clear uh, way possible. Yeah. I mean, it's for processes. It depends on 
what kind of process you're looking at, but I love what you outline that for your podcast, do very similar stuff for coaching, but you just have that general direction and you fill in the blanks along the way. But there's some processes that you really do need to be rigid about because there's so many questions or so many if thens. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as a, a process improvement guy, when you're, you know, dealing in lean six Sigma type stuff that I used to do, you have a project and you have the, the very first thing that I've learned from all that experience in corporate is that to be very, very clear about the problem or the opportunity statement, because you can go along the path and you, you've probably seen examples of this in, in all your work, but you go down a lo- along a path to solve some problem that nobody cares about. And as an entrepreneur, it's critical, right? It's like the whole, the whole minimum viable product mm-hmm. uh, concept. But in corporate, you get a team together with all different kinds of personalities and egos, and you're set out to go accomplish this big capital project. I used to manage, manage capital projects well into the $100 million in some cases, not always. But when you're dealing with that kind of thing, if you don't have the basics right, man, you could really majorly make some errors. And you have it, it happens all the time with project managers. You have somebody in that group that has just raises a question, a very simple question, usually profound. It's probably the smartest guy in the room. And it completely derails like six months of work. You know? mm. So when you're looking at processes, you can't even start until you get that problem or opportunity statement very, very crystal clear. And then you want to build it up. You want to build it up in a way that has. You don't want to make it complex or complicated. Actually, complicated is probably a better term. Complex. I I I don't know about you, but I, I get tired of hearing. Uh, you can't make things complex. Complex is fine. Complicated's the problem, right? Yeah, yeah. Complex is is perfectly fine if it's outlined and and you've thought through it. I think that and, and, and it's built up, right? You know what I mean? Like simple simple structures can become complex, but they're just basically a. Generally, if they they work well, they're combined. They're either through the experience of the simple uh, structures working well, and you add more layers to it, or it's several simple structures combined together to make a workflow. It's when it comp when you add a complication to it that all of a sudden that's when things start to fall apart. That's my my thoughts on it. Yeah, and then you get to duplication of work and and all these kind of things that, that trip you up. But I, kind of going back to your original question mm-hmm. with with what does it mean to to hack corporate? And how do you get that done? There's a bunch of elements. I mean, for the layers that I found that have been most effective with doing this, again, going back to kind of like the problem and opportunity statement thing is as asking why. I mean, everything that I'm all about, all the content that I put out into the world, it's productivity on purpose. Like there's got to be a purpose for why you're doing what you do. And if you don't know why you want to hack corporate, then you're kind of, you're in a position where you might not be all that effective with hacking corporate in the first place. But typically when people hack corporate, it's a it's an issue where they, they're working too much, they want their time back, or they don't like their job, or they want to start a new business. That's, for the most part, would be people's drivers for wanting to figure out how to work less in corporate. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, the, the Simon's next book, Start With Why. I mean, we've seen the golden circle, all that stuff. I think that that's, if you lose sight of that, and that's why I love, when I talk to people about the stuff that I do, they're often stuck in just the today view, the scope of today. I mean, they look at their task yeah. management app or their to-do list and they go, what do I need to get done today? I'm like, well, what what you need to get done today is informed by what you need to get done for the next three days, the next week, the next month. They're informed by those larger, bigger projects and goals. And so while I think it's good, and I think, and I love your thoughts on this, I think it's important to recognize that 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 is a mindset that is firmly entrenched in people based on the culture of speed that we live in like getting as much done as possible as quickly as possible i think it's important to start there and say okay let's 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 help you get through today with some systemization and some processes and now look this scales up to the week 
oh, really? Yes, it scales up to the week. So now let's take a look at your week in a larger perspective. And now let's take it, you look at your month at a larger, and then your year. And I mean, we've seen books like the 12-week year that do this very well. Mm-hmm. well what do you think in terms of, of when you're when you're bringing somebody in and you they whether they want to hack corporate or whether they just want to, you know, be get more of the right things done? Uh, you, you mean, you've managed projects, you've done process improvements, like where do you think is the best place to start so that you have less friction with those that are trying to kind of implement that in their own work and lives? Well, Mike, I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. That's where you got to start is that mindset because so many people are just in it and it's coming at them. They don't know what to do with it. They're overwhelmed. They can't focus and they just, they're people pleasing and you, you got to start there and ask the why. And it's such a simple question, but so very many few people actually ask it. And I didn't really make any progress in what I want to do with my business and my life moving forward until I asked myself why. And it even took me. And I'm, you know, I'm a process guy. I'm a, I feel like I was a pretty productive guy while I was in that environment. But until I asked myself why, I didn't go anywhere. I was just spinning my wheels. So getting people to see the why and relating everything they're doing and figuring out how to say no to the right things and how to say yes to the even even greater things, that's the first step. If you can't get people to see that, then there's there's no hacking corporate. They're just going to continuously get on that hamster wheel. Let's talk about saying no and boundaries because I think that that's something that uh, we all struggle with. I mean, I still struggle with it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I look at my 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 project list, my tasks that I and I see a lot there. I mean, as as we're recording this, I'm getting ready to take off for Atlanta for a trip. I've got uh, several projects that are up in the air that need to be worked on, and you know, a guy like me can see really quickly, especially is that you know, wow, I've taken on too much. I've said yes to to too many things and had unrealistic expectations with my time. And and mm. and the thing is 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 that setting those boundaries is really important. For me, because it allows me to have the bandwidth to do those things that I need and want to do. How do you and how can you encourage people to set boundaries with colleagues and clients and managers and those people that they're working with in, in, a, in a corporate environment? Man, set them fast and set them hard. I mean, I, I remember when I was uh, in my position, I was working capital projects and I moved over to supply chain because I felt like it would free up my time to one, build a side business and, and have more time with my family overall. I was working really hard doing the capital project thing. So I got over to supply chain and I had a boss that I had trained for like the last two years and I was getting another one. He was retiring and another one was coming in and, and the other one had a, had a, a reputation for being a micromanager. So as soon as I found out, I was actually on vacation. I came in on my day off, I believe, and said, Hey, look, can I just have 15 minutes and talk to you? And the, the conversation, if you hit it, up front, if you set your boundaries with your supervisor, with your colleagues, with whoever it is that wants to steal your time, who to, to want to invade in your time, then it goes so much better. But you got to have a good reputation of high performance. So I told him at that point, I had been achieving excellent performance results. I had a great reputation in the company. I said, look, man, this is how I'm most effective. This is how I feel like I can serve you. You know, it's, it's not about what you, the employee, want. It's how you can serve the group in the division. And it was like, I, one, I don't respond to email. Usually tip, typically I don't say I don't respond to email, but I only check email two times a day. I check mm-hmm. it at 10 and I check it at 3 PM. That's just how I operate. If, if you don't think that's going to work and let's negotiate, let's figure out what we can, how we can work together to serve you better. And the other thing is like, I like being out in the field when I'm in that cubicle, 
I can't concentrate. So if I'm really doing work other than just mindless work, I'm either in a conference room or I'm in somebody's office or I'm doing it at a coffee shop. And I got that out into the open because I had the reputation of getting things done. That, that's how I operated with the, the new boss. And he looked at me and he said, you know, all right, I think that'll work. But it's about results, right? I mean, mm-hmm. look at the, the row environment, the results only work yep. environment. That I, I'm such a strong proponent of that. And I think until companies like Fortune 500 companies and the ones that have these old school culture, until you can put, well, not even put the trust in your people, but be, be deliberate and not be lazy about setting you know, manageable goals, smart goals for your people, things that you can actually hold them accountable for, have the discipline to do that and then let your people screw it up. You know, like don't, the micromanaging thing never makes any sense to me because yeah, what do you just want to see them in the office? If they're just there, they're not necessarily doing what you need to do. They're just putting in their time. Mm -hmm. But if you switch that up, you go results only, man, it's a whole, it's a, it's just a game shifter. And for me, I was really deliberate about helping my boss, facilitating the discussion to have him really set clear goals for me. And that, that was like the, the, the little seeds that I was talking about that you plant along the way during this process. Now, you've left corporate, right? You've, I have. You've hacked it so far that it's, it's, it's hacked out of your life. <laughs> <laughs> and now, now you've, you've been trying to uh, – it's interesting because when you leave that environment – and like I said earlier, I have embraced the elements of what Costco taught me and apply it to my life. How? What challenges have you faced translating those skills and you've had in corporate to you know personal productivity as what you are now, which is an entrepreneur? Man, it has been I unexpectedly challenging because I I was almost on autopilot when I was at corporate. You know, I came in, I did what I had to do, I got done, and I left, and I had the good reputation, all that kind of stuff. So. I put together like a 40 page business plan. The first thing I was going to do when I started my business um, almost a year ago was I was going to go into different factories and help them get the numbers up. I was going to do Lean Six Sigma studies and I got work like three days later. Mm -hmm. I actually was out in California and I worked for a a credit card manufacturing company and helping them implement some stuff that a firm had recommended actually going in there and and getting it done and tweaking it. It was a great experience, but I realized, man, this is not the life for me. So I had to figure out how to do like a location independent type business because I want to be with my family, you know? So on day one, when I left and I got in front of my desk after having that 40 page business plan, I I must've stared at my monitor for like an hour. Like, what am I going to do? I didn't have it. I had the general high level plan, but I didn't have anything processed out. I didn't, I didn't know where to start because there's nobody really holding myself accountable except for me. And that was the biggest change. So I had dude, I had to figure out really creative ways to hold myself accountable. And that, and that, that was the game changer for me from, from moving from corporate to entrepreneurship. Now, the other thing is, is that I think, and this is what happened to me, is that I left a job that I was at for 11 years. And I mean, I had various jobs within Costco during that time. But when I finally left, it's almost like my brain said, okay, you get to take a break now, which is totally <laughs> not what you should do. But it's almost like that relief that you feel and you're very susceptible to, you know, the, the, the idea of, okay, now I get a break. I don't know about you, but I've worked harder than ever doing what I do now than I ever did at Costco. Again, mainly because of what you said in terms of like, we are the drivers, like no one is holding our feet to the fire except for us. And, and you right. know, maybe, maybe, you know, the banks and bill payments and stuff like that, maybe our wives. Um, <laughs> but the point is, is that, is that how did you, okay, so as you were leaving, how did you 
did you have any plan to mitigate like that 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 kind of change or did you just figure that it would all come out in the wash Mike, I thought I'd be strong enough to, it's kind of like willpower when you're trying to lose weight. Like I thought I'd be strong enough to just will my way through it and hold myself accountable. But it, it was a rude awakening for me because I'm, I'm a smart guy and you know, I can figure out just me, my, you know, just arrogant self, I guess, thinking, talking to myself, yeah, you can handle this. No, no big deal. You, you know, you've been able to go so far while working your full-term job and doing this thing on the side. Look at all the progress you made. So when you're full-time, dude, you're going to have all the time in the world, just like you're saying. Um, but for me, yeah, I'm, definitely putting in like when I'm working, I'm in it. I'm focused one because I love this stuff, Mm -hmm. but two, because I mean, it's time. Like you, you're not making, you're not earning a living for your family. If you're just sitting there watching reruns of the Kardashians or whatever, man, I mean, you gotta, you gotta be on. So for me, I have, uh, you you mentioned wives, right? I, I have a, just an awesome wife and you've met her on, on the blab and stuff. And she's been on the podcast several times and, you know, I hate it. And I could, I could say that I, I hate the fact that she holds me so accountable to shutting it down at 4 PM because basically at 4 PM we lose childcare. Yep. So the fact that she holds me to that time and with very little wiggle room, I hate it, but it's so good for me mm-hmm. because it forces me to really think through and plan my day. And like, really, what are the needle movers? What am I going to be spending my time just spinning my wheels or doing something that I feel like I should be doing versus what do I really need to be doing? And that process for me, like, I don't want to be that guy who doesn't walk the talk. Like, I don't want to be the guy telling people all about productivity who's sitting there putting in 60 hours. Like, I don't want to be like a hypocrite. I mean, have you experienced that? Oh, totally. I've run into yeah. it. Absolutely. And and I mean, that's why I set up one of my rules for this year was to, uh, you know, uh, stop work at 2.30 on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays because that's when my kids come home from school. And it's funny, I look at, I can look, I use an app called Momentum to track this, and I've fallen off the wagon in recent weeks with this. I have fallen off, um, let's see, if I look at it, uh, the past, yeah, so in the past, since the beginning of April, there has been one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten instances where I did it, but there's been one, two, three, four, five, six, seven when I didn't, right? So, I mean, it it does happen. And then you crap rationalize, right? You say, well, it's (laughs) it's the same thing you crap rationalize when you don't do the work that you really need to get done by four o'clock. Because I'm sure you're as ruthless as you are about it. You fall down. We all fall down. You know, we're all human. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, things happen. We get, you know, I mean, the other day uh, I had a a coaching client who I was working with and uh, we, we we, we had a good session, but it wasn't a great one. And it was, I think it was just a combination of things, probably on both sides of the equation. And I felt down afterwards. And so what I did was, and I was supposed to wrap my day at 2.30. That was it. But I said, you know, no, I need to make this right. And you know what making right would have been? Just letting it go. Would have been like, you know what? One, that's one ripple. So or not true. even a ripple. It's one drop in the bucket. It's 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 so small and, and, and we'll make up for it on the next session. And I'm speaking to him like, you know, relatively soon thereafter. And, the, the, you know, you get the recap emails and all that stuff I send out. But I felt I want to make it right. So I better send this right now, even though I allow myself 24 hours for it. And I called the school and said, uh, can you let my daughter know that she's going to have to walk home with my son? Now, that's not necessarily fair to her because if she knows she has to do that and she has to do actually as we're recording this because I'm, I'm leaving town next week and I have a lot of stuff. I've been clear. Hey, this week. I can't be done at 2.30. So, and the kids understand that. But 
if they know that going in, that's one thing. But I blindsided her. Like, what if she wanted to hang out with her friends after? What if her mm. Colton wanted to go play at the park afterwards? Uh, couldn't do that because as soon as I say that they have to come home, uh, when Grace has to pick up Colton, they have to come home. They can't stay at school longer because I, if 3.30 rolls around and they're not home, like, where are these guys? Did something happen to them? Da, 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 da. Sure, yeah. So we all fall down in these fronts, but it's, it's and again, I think back to the, the habits and the processes and the routines we put in place that mm-hmm. help us fall down less and be, or better or, or even more so get back up. Right. Yeah. You got to be deliberate about those routines mm-hmm. and those processes. And it, it, it goes back to really what's the purpose? Like, so for you, you want to, you want to have that time with your kids. Like that's probably your overarching purpose. It is. It's one of the overarching reasons that I stepped away from doing what I was doing at Costco. And then after that, and, and frankly, I was going to be doing comedy. That was what I wanted to do. Now, if I was a comedian doing sketch work and stand up, I would be on the road. I would have been on the road 99% of the time. Do you think mm. I'd have a wife, have kids? Yeah, just like me and my Lean Six Sigma projects. Yeah. That, that we came to that realization for yeah, sure. Yeah, so, so you're right. It is my – so with that in mind, those are my values. And when I violate those values or when I and, – and, you know, and they are. They're violations. And some say, oh, you circumvented them or you – no, no, no. When you break a value, you break a value. Yeah. Like there, there's yeah. no there's no sugarcoating it. And so you just have to put that's why I have. When I look at my iPhone, there's three things on there. The three rules for 2016 are two drink maximum at social events, work ends at 2:30 on Tuesday, Wednesdays, Fridays, and no soda at home. Those are the three rules. And, and it's simple I, and you can follow them, right? Yep, exactly. And if I break them, then I have no one to blame but myself. I can't offer yeah. up an excuse, you know, like, well, there was pop in the fridge. Yeah, well, why was there pop in the fridge? Oh, well, you know what? I was at the bar and there, there there's always more than two drinks at the bar. Yes, but you don't have to order more than two, you know, and and that, and, right. and so, so it, it you know, and, and again, start with why. Why do I only want to have two drink maximums as social? Because I want to make sure that, you know, I can uh, carry on conversations. <laughs> Once you get to three, I think the third beer is the one that's the slippery slope, right? Same thing with, with, you know, if I say that I don't end work at two 30, I ended at three or I make it, I don't have a rule there. Then yeah. Then all of a sudden I'm working till five 30 and then dinner doesn't get done. And 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 all that was regular, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy how that happens. I get so, I, I I can't, I just surprised myself. You talk about fallen man. Like, Say like, okay, I slipped one time and I worked till you know four forty five or whatever. Then the next day I'm like, oh yeah, I did it yesterday. I could do it again, no mm-hmm. big deal. And then it just get, becomes this pattern. So it's like it, you go back to your why and your values. I appreciate you bringing up values, though. I want to say like for the whole hacking corporate thing, you really do need to consider your values because you don't want. I mean, hacking corporate is not an unethical thing, right? I mean, you're yeah, corporate's a game. There's a lot of games, a lot of politics involved and stuff like that. But for me. I always recommend just don't doing it at the expense of somebody else and don't compromise your values. I mean, develop genuine relationships with the right people, the people that have the ability to change your life. You want to move up the ladder, that's fine. Move up the ladder efficiently means having these good relationships, but it's it's all about kind of finding that that synthesis between your life goals and what you're doing at the company. Right. If you if you shift that focus, the more value, and you know, and you have your in place with your values. If you shift that focus to how does this relate to your life goals, and you're going to add more value to the company. It's just it's a natural thing that happens. So, Nick, where can people find you online? It's been great. I want to I want to make sure people uh, get your show, 
find some of the stuff that they really wanted because you really are, you, you know, you're one of the most passionate people that I've found about productivity in recent months. Like as we've been coming across, you know, I mean, as I've, as I've followed you, I'm like, wow, Nick's Thanks, going man. all in. He's pushing it all in and he's, and he's, and he's pat, like, it's coming across in the way you deliver it, like how passionate you are about it. So I want to make I sure appreciate that, I, that man. Thanks. Yeah. So, so where can people go to hear more about your, your, your stuff, not just to hack corporate, and not even just to hack life, but just to get more of the the right things done, uh, not just today, but tomorrow and going forward. Well, I have a podcast as well. It's called the Make a Snappy Productivity Show. And there's if you if you like stupid jokes about Snap, then you'll love it because I probably make about <laughs> twenty of them every every month. Uh, but that's uh, makeasnappyshow dot com is the website, and you can find me on Twitter at the Snappy Show. And I also have a, a Facebook group that I'm really passionate about as well. I, I make sure that people want to be in it. Like it's one of my pet peeves when people add me to groups that I don't want to be in, but it's called, and, and this is, you're going to love this, Mike. So I'm Snap, right? Mm-hmm. This Facebook group is Productivity on Purpose. So it's Pop. Ah. <laughs> so I just need somebody to step up and give me a crackle, and we're going to be just full circle, man. We'll be in it. <laughs> I'll make sure I link to that in the show notes as well. Thanks again for joining me, Nick. Thanks to all of you for listening. Uh, It's been awesome. Thanks again, Nick. Thank you, Mike. Big thanks to Nick Snap for joining me on this week's episode of the show. You can find all the stuff we had to talk about in the the, the post-its, in the show notes. Post-its. We never really got into that, but the show notes, and uh, of course, you could check out all of his stuff through there. We're, we actually are going to be talking again in the not too distant future because there's a lot more stuff we can talk about. In fact, a lot of that stuff, or at least some of it, got discussed as a bonus episode for my Patreon supporters. We talked about his email workflow and how he's outsourced it, but only Patreon supporters can get that. And the way you get that is by going to Patreon.com/slash/Productivityist and signing up to become a patron. You can contribute whatever dollar amount you're comfortable with, and there's perks for several different levels. And uh, I'd love it if you become a supporter. It helps keep the show going and helps me make the show better and better and helps me reach those milestones, such as, you know, uh, trying to have no advertisement because we haven't had any in a while. But, you know, if advertising came along, I'd I'd happily take it unless, of course, my patrons would prefer it not to be there. So lots of... uh, of cool things happening over at the Patreon community. So head over to patreon.com slash productivityist to make that happen. And if you can't support in that way, I'd love to get feedback on this episode. And the best way to do that, uh, and for the show in general, is to do it with giving a ratings or review in iTunes or wherever you are grabbing this podcast from. It helps people find the show. It helps me make the show better. And it it really shines a spotlight on some of the guests that we've been having over the many, many years in at least the past couple years that I've been doing the show. Uh, that's it for this week. I'd like to thank John Polstra, podcast producer, for putting this together. Big thanks to Nick for joining me, and thanks to all of you for joining me this week on the Productivityist Podcast. Until next time, I'm your host, Mike Vardy, founder of Productivityist and Productivity Strategist, reminding you, stop guessing and start going. Stop guessing and start going.